Blog Talk Radio. I mean, I took it off of mute, so the first 10 minutes of the show was missing on on the doggone uh, recording that I go online. But anyway, as we kick off this show, we're talking about Omerta. If you've never heard of Omerta, I'm going to give you a good description right quick over here on these screens, and then we're going to chop it up and talk a little bit for the next 30 minutes or so about what that means to us. To people like us that, that, that listen to, who watch the Gumbo Talk Show, uh, because it is very important uh, for us to understand exactly what it means to keep your mouth shut, okay? So let me tell you, uh, Sicilian Southern Italian Code of Silence. Willful disobedience to law enforcement investigations, being aware enough to deflect unwanted attention from yourself, your operations, and your family. This is an innate characteristic, some could say, an evolutionary tactic of silence and humility dating back to before the fascist tyranny swept most of Italy pre-World War II, when even average citizens had to keep hush to survive. Furthermore, omerta is still the code of silence or code of humility, as omerta translates to humility in English. Adhered to today by most anti-socialites, that means people who are in crime families, uh, which has seen a modern resurgence in strength and even cultural acceptance since the crime bill, you know, 1992, Bill Clinton and all them, you know, including Joe Biden, all of them voted for that crime bill. At the, at the very time they voted that, I was sitting in a juvenile uh, detention facility as they were calling people like me at the time a super predators. I, I never forget that. Many people no longer feel safe in the streets caused by abusive privileges of the RICO. We're going to talk about that. And many other low-level charges by a corrupt justice system. Learn why people don't snitch in the modern day and where trust is found. And as always, y'all can catch us on Facebook, and also you can call in if you want to talk to me live at 515-605-9375. And if you want to talk and get in the discussion, press the number one. Now I want everybody, if you would, to share this because people are going to need to hear this one when we talk about Omerta. I used, I used to be involved in the criminal justice system very heavily as a child, as a participant, and then as an advocate in my later life up till just a couple of years ago. I was masterful at getting people out of jail 
and getting them on the right track, hopefully. And then if they messed it up from there, that was on them. But I could get you out, get you going, and then it was up to you whether or not you were going to weather the storm of life and stay out of a life of, of crime and or being arrested because you were in the wrong places all the time. Now, one of the biggest issues when it comes to people and going to jail is that they open their mouth. I'll never forget, I'll tell the story. I was talking to my mom a couple weeks ago, and uh, we really have had some good in-depth conversations about our our personalities, and we do class because we're so much alike. I'm so much like my mom, and I try to be different, but I, I can't help it. I'm like my dad, too. But I was involved in this thing when I was a kid. I think I was about 13 or 14, set up this heist, and um, these, these guys decided to ride some of the equipment that we had stolen. No, no worries, y'all. We got caught. But I'm going to tell you about my first experience with Omerta. They, they snitched, basically. When they got caught, they told the police that I was involved, too. Police called me at home. Of course, I was a child. My parents were like, we don't know anything about that. And I was like, I do. And we went down to the police department in Moline, Illinois, and I sat in a room. I was getting interrogated, and I told them, yeah, I was involved. I didn't know that if I would have kept my mouth shut that I would have never had uh, my first charge um, as a juvenile on me. Um, never would have, never would have had that. I never would have started a life of crime at a young age. Um, well, I might have kept going, but I don't know. I, I, I had my first case because I told them, yeah, I was involved. I had no connection to it when they caught the people that were doing the stupid stuff because I wasn't with them doing that, um, using the equipment that we had, had taken. Um, but. I, I told on myself. I sit back and look at how dumb I was at thirteen, fourteen. But you know what we what we could have learned at younger ages. I, I imagine some people would do the same thing when they're forty. You know, just go in there and tell on yourself. It was unnecessary. I could have easily pleaded the fifth. I could have easily told them I had nothing to do with it. But I, I began, you know, about a five, ten-year span of dirt work, pretty much. I look at what's going on in the world with how crime is portrayed for some people and how injustices are relayed for other people. And I say to myself, huh, what happened yesterday at the Capitol was blatantly and obviously something where Omerta must have been in play. White folks was taking selfies with the police unlawfully. And I look at when folks were at the Capitol in suits, just fighting for equal rights or truth and justice under the color of law to be fair. And there were so many law enforcement officers and National Guard for one 
twentieth of the people, maybe one one hundredth of the number of people that were out there yesterday, and how they didn't even get close to the steps, let alone these folks broke out windows. They all on tape recorded. It'll be interesting if they charge them with any of these crimes. These should be federal crimes. They should be charged after the new president is seated. Give them two weeks. Get all the investigation work done. And then, you know, put their ass to the fire where old boy can't uh, do his thing with, what do you call it, uh, pardoning, presidential pardoning all these yahoos. The guy that's sitting in the White House is the worst person when it comes to the word America because he snitches on a white construct of how this country is built, and he is basically the essence of what I see America being, and America doesn't like it, portion of America that doesn't like him exposing the secrets that we have. But when you have no humility, when you have no sense of pride or family or self, you'll do anything. It's a reason why a lot of those people in the mob went so many years and decades in the crime families, and law enforcement knew these folks was running this crime syndicate or these crime syndicates. But because the people call themselves family, la nosa costra or la cosa nostra, La Cosa Nostra, ours, uh, literally translated, um, they never were able to penetrate. Black folks, a lot of us in the, in the hood, we have lived under the law that we don't tell. And for many things, we shouldn't. Some things we should, you know, but many things we don't, and it's a reason why. You cannot trust a corrupt justice system that was on full display yesterday, whereas for one group of black folks doing the same thing or not even as violent, get treated with a military presence versus the white folks doing the same exact thing, and all they get is a little tear glass or one tear gas. One white girl got shot. I think that was probably by accident, and then the other law enforcement tucked tail and started running and let these folks go all up in the chamber. I imagine how many more people are going to have corona because of yesterday, including people in the House and the Senate if they didn't disinfect that joint in the air before they were uh, back in there. Maybe they did. They probably did. I don't know. They probably did. Uh, they wouldn't have done it for me at a city council meeting. But the way we move and do our thing, uh, sometimes it brings attention to yourself. Let me talk about that, too. We're talking about America, humility, mouth shut, not snitching. How can you be making, let me say, let me say you're, you're making five to $10,000 a week selling dope, right? And you have no real true cover-up. You're out here with a Bentley, a Mercedes, a BMW, a Range Rover, uh, 
you might have a detail shop or something, but you don't have nothing to show that you should have, you know, half a million dollars worth of cars. You got these big donks on 28s and 32s. I mean, you know, those donks, they cost about 50 grand to 100 grand. Y'all do know that, right? A donk is anywhere from like a 70 to 73 model Chevy, usually. Sometimes there are other, other models, but it's a donk comes from the early 70s. But any old school, and they put the candy paints and the, and the nice. I love that stuff. I'm going to get me one. Don't get me wrong. But I got to work towards it. I'm not going back down that route where I could get easy money. It's got to be earned. Um, but spend 60, 70 grand on fixing up an old school car. Y'all do know that, right? To get them nice, right? You can't have that. You can't have $100,000 this and $100,000 that and diamond watches and big old diamond chains and everything. You have nothing to show you make that kind of money. You know what you're doing? You're snitching on yourself. You're telling the world, I got this kind of money. And I can't even account for how I got it. And somebody's going to be watching you, either the streets or the detectives, and probably both, because one wants what you got, and the other one doesn't want you to have what you got. And that is, in essence, snitching on yourself. I, I'll never forget um, I had a couple of experiences of meeting um, my bosses who were living um, more than likely, and I can't I can't say this for sure, but they were living um, a second life. These good fellows were more than likely um, living uh, under the protection of of uh, what do they call it? Ain't nobody out there chiming on this show. It's talking, who is that? Oh, there go Wilbert. What up, Wilbert? And uh, hey, Harmony, Kia Ora. Kia Ora. Yeah, that's it. What's going on, New Zealand? You, you, y'all know the, uh, what do they call that thing? Anyway, the point is, the world, uh, the way we um, move around in it, and the way we tattletale on ourselves because we want people to see the shiny things is unimportant. That's what I'm getting at. I used to see these guys living, I almost got it. You know when they, they probably either snitched or because something went down with a war, they're under this... Uh, custody thing where they get a whole new life and a whole new identity. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I've met a couple of those people in that. I've always been able to find uh, the main man wherever I go. I've met a couple of these people now, mind y'all, right here in Longview. I'm like, ain't no way. Your name is Joe Johnson, okay? you. Your name was Joe. <laughs> uh, uh, two, two, two nipples, Tony from the Bronx or something. They call him two nipples because he got two nipples. Ah, ah, ah. Anyway, 
Protective custody, I think, is what it is. But when they give you the new identity and you go on and you live your life uh, somewhere else in the country or the world, I've, I've met these people. But there's one thing about them is that their presence, their, their demeanor doesn't change. You can't change a person. You can change their name. You can change their setting. It's kind of like, you know, you can take a person out the hood, but you can't take the hood out of a person. You can take a person out of gangster lifestyle, but you can't take that lifestyle out of them. And I've seen it. And, and because of that, I was, I'm sitting there having conversations, knowing I had to, you know, choose my words because I didn't want to scare them, and I wanted them to know that I understood what they were dealing with, you know. But in having those conversations with them, and I know a guy that's a Facebook friend. His dad was in was one of these people that, that had to go underground. He can tell the stories. Sometimes his dad is gone, God rest his soul, but he listens to the Gumbo Talk Show too, and he's been a guest on this show. And he could tell you about having to live that lifestyle where you had to uproot from where you're from and go come to some other odd place and live a whole new life. Um, that's rough. Talking so much that you have to go live another life or because you live in a life of, of, of anti-socialites, you have to go somewhere else. But this is what happens when omerta is broken. You have to hold, go live a whole other life. In the hood, you can't come back to the hood if you really snitched heavily on, you know, 50, 60 guys. We had that episode happen here in Longview, too, a few years ago. I think 60-something people got indicted and sentenced off of, like, two or three people just snitching on the whole program. Unfortunate, but that's what happens. Because let me tell you all something. 99% of people are going to eventually tell because pressure busts pipes. So the best thing in order to live a life of humility is to live a life where you are free from those circumstances. Don't get involved in the okey-doke. Uh, we got a caller, H-Town. I just see 713. I, I didn't look over and see you chimed in, but... Welcome to the Gumbo Talk Show. How you doing, Brandon? This is Ron. Hey, Spike. Yes, sir. In the flesh. <laughs> you know, I was listening to you conversate about those guys that go undercover. A lot of those guys go into the car business, and they still have that swagger about them. They still wear the same clothes. And you can you can pick them out of all the guys that's in the car dealership when they're standing up there because they, they got on $2,000 shoes and they, they got on these handmade suits and they walk around the dealership, even though they, they're not making as much money, but they still dress and have the same character about them. So I fully understand what you're saying when you talk about those guys that's had money, been in situations that they're trying to cover up for. It's just amazing. You're right. You can't take you can't take nothing away from them because they still have that pride about them. Yeah, and, and the thing of it is, is that it's hard for them to live that same way with their full personality because of whatever circumstance caused them to be in that position, that different way of life, and um, that that's the whole thing I'm talking about. Spikes is that if if people minded their business 
everybody would be able to do their own thing and, you know, as long as you're not hurting folks and, you know, you're making your money and if people want to give you money for a service or a product, okay, that's you. Y'all do y'all thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But problem becomes and we get out of our comfort zone when we forget to be uh, humble. When when we when we put aside you know um, our jealousies, our envious behavior, our selfish mindset, and we start thinking like you know we're all in this thing together. Um, yeah. There's enough out here for all of us to get it. You know, just like you and I every morning, we we, we encourage each other just to get it because it's out there for us. And we got to work, so we got to go and get it um, where everybody else might still be sleeping or mm-hmm. they're just going through the motions. We realize that, hey, look, this is a, this is an end to a, mean, a mean to an end. And if we don't do this, then we won't be able to put ourselves in a position that we'll be comfortable when we're at a certain age and we can be ourselves anywhere and not just in yeah. a little confined area. Yeah. I agree it, with you. I think I think about yeah. that um, story that you just told about the people that may be doing the wrong thing, but basically telling on themselves driving cars and stuff like that. I think about the people that had real good jobs in the neighborhood. I'm a little bit older than you. They had real good jobs in the neighborhood, but on Sundays when they went to church, they pulled them Cadillacs out, them big old Buicks, them Oldsmobiles, and they went to church. But when they went to their job, they drove probably one of the raggedest cars you ever want to see. But they did that to keep that job. And it's the same way with, with people that go out and sell drugs. I'll never forget it's a guy by the I, – I can't call his name because people in Houston know his name. But <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. he ran one of the biggest businesses – off of Jensen. If you if you know anything about Jensen and Lyles, you know that's where where them girls are, and they've been there for years and years. Well, that's what it used to be when I grew up. But he he had one of the biz, biggest. He was one of the biggest people over there. In nineteen, I want to say in nineteen seventy two, was when I saw my first Rolls Royce. He he didn't drive it over there. He drove it around the neighborhood and show people and put it back in the garage. Later on in life, I met this same gentleman. And I said, man, and we were sitting up there at the bar having a conversation like we are right now. And I said, man, I remember you. He said, how do you remember me? I said, I remember that Rolls Royce that you had. You were the only person that had one. I think it was two nights later, we were in the same establishment. He said, Ron, I want to show you something. We went outside. He still had that same Rolls Royce, and it looked like he hadn't had no miles on it or anything. But you can it's almost like you were saying, you can stay in the game, but you can't let people know that you're in the game. And that's how he survived. I mean, he was still and, doing and the same thing he was back then. And you're right. And the thing of it is, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be involved in illegal behavior. It's, it's people... Because you got it, but if you live in a certain area, you that doesn't mean you flaunt it. You said something about people with those good, good jobs, like they might be working at a plant, 
and they're mm-hmm. making, you know, $30, $35 an hour, which is good money mm-hmm. now. But they may have been making that kind of money for the last 30 years. And, uh, and some people will go to those jobs. And you know and I know people who have bought them a brand-new truck, right? Mm-hmm. And they took it to a job. And because of a jealous supervisor or coworker, not liking the fact that they couldn't have or they didn't save or they didn't make or whatever the case is, to have that got that person either fired or demoted or got them written up over a mm-hmm. jealousy for them having a nice truck that they brought to work. And there's people still like that. But what I'm what the, the, the point in that is is you have to be smart about how you move in this world because even though it should be okay for you to be able to drive that Rolls Royce or that brand new F three fifty uh dually to your job and not have people look at you like because I can't have that, I don't want you to have that. Um, but we, the reality is, is we live in a world like that. Mm-hmm. And if you draw too much attention to yourself, your operations, or your family, you could put all of that at risk. So only thing you can do is pull it out on Sunday and go to church or use that means to go out of town because when you're in a bigger city or you're in another place, you know, it's kind of like nobody knows your name anyway. So they don't know where you stay. They don't know how to get under your skin. They just see you and figure that's what you drive. That's who you are. And that's it. Um, Unfortunately, that's the way the world is. People. We, we've, we've got to move. When we're in certain um, circumstances, uh, like they do in those circumstances, they they often say, "When in Rome, do what the Romans do." That is more true than any other thing I can think of. You can act like a a, a, a Chinese in in England, but you're not going to fit in. You you may want to act like you're Romanian in Brazil, but you won't fit in. It behooves you to get to know your surroundings so that you don't do something where it draws so much attention to you that now you're the target for any and maybe everybody around you. Mm-hmm. And it only happens when you open your mouth. One of the things I didn't told you on the show before, one of the things that lessons that my aunt, for the reason why we call this show the Gumbo Talk Show, because her gumbo is the best gumbo in the entire world. I've had gumbo everywhere, and there's, there's no better bowl of gumbo than my Aunt Dean's in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. But let me tell you all this. My aunt used to tell me, she said, she said, you never are going. People will never know 
how dumb you are until you open your mouth. And then they'll never know how smart you are unless you tell them. The point she was saying was, keep your damn mouth shut. That's what she was saying. Keep your damn mouth shut because you could write a check that your ass can't cash in situations mm. and it should have never been a thing. But all using that, talking this and that, and letting folks know you know this, and then there might be somebody in there that's got a doctorate degree. I'm not saying that literally, but I'm saying figuratively. In what the topic is you're talking about, and here you are trying to tell them about a thing <laughs> that they've been knowing or doing. And then you come around later on and find out you was talking to the person who wrote the book on that, and you, you'll feel real stupid when you mm-hmm. figure out that they, they already, you know, knew that. So you let other people use here's, here's a tip. I'm going to give you all a tidbit. I, I was sharing this with a young notary uh, earlier today. I, I do mentor people who do what I do for a living, but they got to be in other areas. got a phone call yesterday, a girl here in this area, I did a closing with, wanted to do what I do, and she thought I was going to give her the secrets. And I was like, no. I'm like, you know, you better Google it. It took me 18 years to get to this, but I ain't trying to make no competition. But anyway, I told this other notary I mentor, she she asked about what should she charge for her services. She wanted an answer. She wanted a a a closed-ended answer, but I had to give her an open-ended answer. And this is, in essence, what I told her. I said, whatever fee that you and your customer agree on is fair. Business, and as a technique, you should always allow the other party to quote what they believe to be the fee they would pay for first. Now, the philosophy behind that and keeping your mouth shut in business when you are negotiating cost, price, strategy, is your dumb self might come out the mouth and say, I'll do it for 50 bucks. But the whole time, the people that were going to pay you already had in mind to give you 150 And here you are, lowballing your own self because you're running your mouth when you could have got into a negotiation and been more pleased with what the other party was going to offer than what you're willing to accept. And then back to the beginning, if whatever the fee that you and the customer or you and the client or you and the provider or service agrees on is fair. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows these damn Verizon cell phone bills are giraffes behind high. Everybody knows it. There's so many other cheaper services out there. However, I pay it every month faithfully. Since 2002, I've been paying Verizon every month mm. faithfully. 
four or five hundred dollars for all these phones that we have. And um, all I know is it must be a fair price. I'm pleased for the most part that I can go just about everywhere, but a couple of little small pockets in certain areas where it must be between towers or something and get service. Mm. I, I must be pleased. So it must be fair. I may, I may, you know, run my mouth a little bit about it, but I pay them. Um, this is life. You know, I mean, the, the, there are certain things that people will do and say and don't even realize that they'll hurt themselves. You'll block mm-hmm. your blessing. Let me, let, me, let me spend a minute uh, before we check out of here. We're going to check out of here on, on the uh, air on Blog Talk Radio for Blog Talk USA, but we'll still do, uh, like I do, a little finishing point for those of y'all or on Facebook Live. But let me, I would be remiss if I didn't give you all this. I mentioned I was going to talk about the RICO. RICO is a racketeering, uh, it's, a, it's a method for them to get you on conspiracy. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, just because you open your mouth and say you know something, and there was somebody else that told you this, and you have knowledge of it, and then another person, a third person, goes and commits a crime, a heinous crime, whatever it is. It doesn't have to necessarily be murder. Normally it is. And you knew about it, and another person knew about it. You could be hit with a conspiracy charge. Stop telling everything you know. The only people that should know what you know and your secrets are either yourself, which is, I think, the best, or the close friends or even family that you know would have just as much to lose as you do by opening their mouth. Therefore, you know they would keep the code of America. There's no need for us to be the number one group of people in prisons and jails across America if we kept our mouth shut, most of that time wouldn't even be spent incarcerated. Wouldn't even be a day in jail if that were the case. So, that being said, y'all we're going to close out here. I'm going to keep the thing rolling for blog talk. Um, we're, we're going to check out of here. But I, I, want to, I want to close with this. Keeping your mouth closed is a very important thing in mostly everything we do. When we go into new situations, when we rekindle old situations, quite often our mouth is the thing that gets us in trouble. If we're doing business, if we're having fun, there are some things that can be said and some things that shouldn't. There is a 
hope in this world that is universal. And Omerta is definitely one of those. Prime techniques that will help you have the most fruitful, highest quality, long-lasting of your life. If you even just be honest with yourself and look back on all the times when there was something negative, I'm going to say, or something that just was bitter, it probably had something to do with your mouth. And if you look back on the things where you could have said something and it would have been unfruitful, and you knew it would have been hurtful. And you didn't say it. And then what came out about that, because you allowed someone else to either say it, which is always a good idea, or you, you realized that you didn't even have to say it, who you were going to say it to, realized it on their own, because you gave them time to process it. It was it was a good a great episode in life. Loose lips not only sink other ships, it'll sink yours. You've got to remember that we have one mouth two eyes and two ears. And hell, we got two nostrils. Almost all of our other senses of means of communication and understanding where we are have even tactile. We have a whole body of skin, right? Big organ of skin. This nose where we can smell olfactory, our occipitals, all have two or more, but we got one mouth, and we allow that one thing to put us in predicaments. One of the greatest lessons I've learned in life is I'm learning how to shut the hell up. Now, I get on this thing because this is the thing that I have to be able to communicate because I do like talking. I love conversation. Don't get it twisted. I'm learning. When I'm at that school, when I'm at the table, I, 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 when I'm in conversations, I guide the conversations. They stay in a very narrow lane. And if you get out of that lane, it's, it's, it's usually when – Trouble starts to come up, and I don't. I'm not looking for trouble. I'm at a point in my life where I'm looking for things to be much easier. So I'm not looking for extra stress. I'm not looking for extra work. You know how if you say something about something you've seen could be better on the job or in the community, guess who they're going to expect 
to address it or do something about it. Usually the one that brings it up. You know, they used to say whoever smelt it, dealt it. I I, I used to say whoever whoever spoke it, choked it. Because whoever spoke it, choked it. That's what it was. Because you, you, you the one talking about you smell it. Yeah, you the one who dealt it. So I'm, I'm, I'm just telling y'all that I really truly believe that we, we should be listening more. Um, you're not too old or too mature to learn something. I learn something from young people all the time. I get a lesson in humility every day. I'm going to give you all this story before we go. I was going up the stairs to my, my office the other day, and the student was sitting in the stairway. He had no business. It was during lunchtime. They ain't supposed to be in the building where we had for lunchtime. And he didn't have a mask on. This was a big boy, Hispanic kid, big boy. And I said, man, where's your mask? He kind of looked at me like you know, he didn't hear me. I said, you heard me. I said, where's your mask at? He pulled it out of his pocket. He put it on. I said, man, now by this time, other kids that was around him, they had scattered because they knew. They they know when Mr. Johnson hits the flow. You know, they already know. Um, And so they scattered. They all went on about their way. He's sitting there. And I said, I looked him in his eye. I said, you know, thousands of people are dying every day because folks don't want to wear a mask. And here you are. You you sitting up here like you king or something, and uh, you ain't got no mask on, plus you in a place you ain't even supposed to be in. You got a double whammy. I said, put on your mask, and you get on, go where you're supposed to be going. Wherever class, whatever you're supposed to be at, go there. And he rolled his eyes, and he huffed, he puffed, he stomped down the steps. And when he got down to the bottom, there's double doors that block the stairwell. They're mostly open. Evidently, he grabbed one, and he slammed that thing so you could hear it in the whole building. We got a few hundred thousand square foot building, and this was a stairwell in the middle of it, and, I mean, it was loud. In my heart, I wanted to turn around, walk back down them steps, and take this belt off and beat the shit out of him, all up and down that hallway till he cried for his mama. That's what I wanted to do. And then if he reared his ugly hand, he would understand why they call me Big Worm and why these hands are so good. My hands are still good. I know I'm a big boy, but I still got hands. Try Jesus is much better than trying me, okay? So <laughs> I wanted to give him that, but I didn't say nothing. I just kept on up them steps and went on to my office. I said to myself, he'll probably end up in the justice system with attitude like that. I'll let Maxie Serliano, the sheriff of Greg County, he'll take care of it. Because that's where he's going to be. You you can see it. It's as clear as day. He's going to live a life that will lead him down that path. And who am I to stop him? Sometimes you got to let things be. Because if I would have went down there and said something to him, who would who would be in more hot water? because of his reaction to what I was going to tell him, me or him. I don't trust the system. 
I don't trust that school system. I don't trust our justice system. I don't trust our religious systems. I don't trust our what other system? I don't trust our financial system. Our, we've got to learn these things. All these books I told y'all, I told y'all at the top of the show. I'm going to go through these. I'm going to read every last one of these books. Old college cohort called me on Christmas, wish me Merry Christmas. One of my ace boom coons back when we were in the day. Um, he was telling me that one of our other partners watched the show. And he said, uh, yeah, he said, man, Big Worm, he know, shoot, that joke know what he's talking about on them topics on that show. And he also know the word, too. And we started laughing. And I was like, he must not have known that we've been doing this, man, you and I, for, since, what, 1996, 90, 97? He said, yeah, man, it's been a long time. He said he just didn't, he wasn't with us that day. He was a friend of my buddy that called me more than he was with me, but by mutual acquaintance. But he did, he never had those those conversations like me and my dude in New Orleans used to have on a regular basis. I've been this same way, y'all, for a long time. I have not changed that much. But I'm going to tell you what has changed and why I brought that up is because I've been getting into these things right here and into these books. I'm going to tell y'all, when, when, when you're watching TV, that's rotten in your brain. I know you've got to catch up on the news. I know you want to watch CSI. I know you want to watch uh, whatever is on that TV. But I have had so much better quality out of life since I just watched movies because I do like movies. Movies tell stories, and I like movies, right? And I read books now. I didn't at all. And it's it's made me a more round, a more robust. Um, I have a better vocabulary, and just, just I'm, I'm just going to take this right here. I'm going to read an excerpt, and I, this is what this is what make us better, right here. We 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 finna get out of here. Um, we got three more minutes, but I'm just going to read this one paragraph to y'all. Not not because you can't read, but I'm on two thirty eight of this um, book. I'm going to read John Lewis with Michael D'Orso. Walking with the Wind. This is just—I just opened up the book in page two thirty-eight. This is the fourth paragraph. It says, "The night we arrived, September twenty-third, I attended a mass meeting at the town's Tabernacle Baptist Church and spoke to an audience of more than a thousand people. Outside, fifty of Colonel Lingo's troopers, armed with machine guns, surrounded the building. I envisioned another night-long shut-in siege." like the one in Montgomery during the Freedom Ride. For a time, it looked as if I might be right. But eventually, late that evening, we were all allowed to leave with no arrests. Now, that's just one paragraph. But I'm going to learn something about what you do. Now, I just picked that out. I didn't. I just opened this up. Don't you see how that has to do with America? They sat it out, didn't say nothing to them crazy white folks outside ready to kill them, and they were able to leave with no arrest later on that night. I wish I could read the rest of it. I might do that one time on a show. I might pick out a book, and I'm just going to sit here and narrate and read a great excerpt 
from some of the readings that I've had. There's some good books that have some stuff that's going to bless you. But uh, that right there alone is going to make me want to pick that book up and start reading it and, and, and get just to get to that part. Why were they <laughs> in the Tabernacle Baptist Church, and why was this Colonel Lingo, whoever, outside? I want to know why. And then I want to know how they got out of that situation without them folks doing or I want to know how they got out of it like the white folks got out of the Capitol yesterday. <laughs> the white folks got out of the Capitol yesterday virtually unscathed, right? Some people died of some heart attacks or something, but, hell, they was going to die anyway. But so um, the the thing of it is, is this reading stuff is fundamental. I wish I was a reader when I was young. I really do. If I was reading more, I probably would have kept my mouth shut more because I would have been trying to use my eyes, my two eyes, instead of this one mouth. Y'all, this is the show. I thank every one of y'all for spending a little time with me. Um, Spikes, brother, I appreciate you, man. It was good to hear your voice back on the Gumbo Talk Show. Um, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here just listening. Sometimes it's better to listen, Brandon, and that's what I'm doing, listening. You got anything coming up or anything you want to share with the people before we out of here? Hey, just stay in your house. Stay away from the White House. Let them do it. Stay away from the White House. <laughs> yeah, let them do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're going to do it, too. And it's going to be all right. That well, Green, ain't it? But uh, Spikes, man, thank you, brother, and thank you, everybody. Who did we had on there? We got Duke, we had Harmony, we had Wilbert, I see, and I don't know who all you other folks that are out there listening. I can see y'all ghosted. Um, thank y'all, man. Um, you can always catch this in archive. It's on Blog Talk USA under Blog Talk Radio. The link is in the bio of the show topic. Share this thing with folks because folks need to know to keep their mouth shut, and it's important for them to do that. And um, also, you know, y'all come back next week. Next week, I believe the topic is um, what is the topic, Duke? It is uh, not fake. You can't fake it till you make it. Is uh, um, what is the topic next week? We 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 we. I I put that all together. And uh, I'm going to tell you all right quick. I got it here. The topic next week is 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 going to be epic because uh, we got to – here it is. I got it, y'all. I ain't tripping. Ain't no future in your front. You might as well be honest with yourself. There ain't no future in you lying about who you are. Just be who you are, where you are right now, and if you ever become more than that, the world will know. And if you ever become less than what you are, you'll know, and you you know keep your mouth shut, and you ain't got to worry about folks wondering if you better than or less than, and it's going to be all right. Ain't no future in your fronting is the topic. But next Thursday, come back and see us at 8 o'clock. Hey, if anybody told you, uh, I love you, and ain't nothing you can do about it. Good night.